Amen. All right, we're in Luke chapter number 15 this morning. We were dealing a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Last week we took a bit of a break for Memorial Day, but a couple weeks ago we preached a message on the prodigal son, which was a common story in the scripture. Today we're going to begin our reading in Luke 15 with verses number 26 through 32 and deal with the elder brother or the elder son as the Bible refers to him as. Luke chapter 15, the Bible says in verse 26, or excuse me, we'll start reading in verse number 25. Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry, and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid, that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. This morning we'll be preaching a message entitled, Lessons from the Elder Brother. What was the Lord trying to get through to people with this story of the elder brother? Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask his blessing on the preaching. Father, we pray you'd bless the preaching of your word this morning. I pray that all distractions would be brought to, a, uh, brought to nothing. But Lord, I do pray that as the people who have come to visit here and, and uh, assemble here in this place today, I pray that you'd open our understanding to the scripture. Help me, Lord, as I preach that I would only say those things. That would be honoring to you and truthful. And Lord, I pray that you'd speak to the hearts of hearers today. We pray and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. First, as we look at this passage in the Bible, we would need to look at the background of the story. Jesus, in verses number 1 and 2, was addressing these groups of people. The Bible says in verse 1, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. So that's the context of the story. This is why the Lord gave the story of the prodigal son. Now, if you're looking in verse number 1 of Luke 15, it says that there are publicans and sinners. I think all of us understand what the sinners, who the sinners were. It was the common sinner of the day. This word publicans is not a word that we use today. These were in Bible times tax collectors. The tax collectors of Bible times were known to be thieves. They were known to be a common sinner. They would have a bill that someone would need to pay for taxes and they would typically over collect taxes. If you owe taxes today and somebody came to your door to collect taxes and they say, Here's a a bill from the Lake Worth municipality and you owe $1,000 for your taxes. In Bible times, that tax collector may double it and say, you either pay me $2,000 or I'll throw you in jail. This is who they were. They would take money by force. They would take it by false pretense. 
they were thieves. So in verse number one, you have the common sinners. In verse number two, you have religious people. Now this may be a surprise to some, but religious people are sinners. Religious people are sinners. Even though I'm the pastor of a church, I am a sinner. Even though I was raised in a religious home and went to church three times a week, I am a sinner. No amount of religious education can can, uh, do away with the fact that we are sinners. Now, my parents raised me to be a godly young man. But somewhere around the age of 13, I started seeing the world much differently and became a much better sinner. And typically, as you get older in life, you become a better sinner. Now, you may learn to cover it more. You may learn to cover your sin more. And you may learn to hide it better. But still, you're a sinner. And the picture of the older brother is nothing more than the Lord trying to expose the Pharisees and scribes for their great need. So here's the stories that we find first, was the story, the two parables the Lord gave in the beginning verses here. In verses 3 through 7, you have the story of a man who lost a sheep. He he talks about a a shepherd who had a hundred sheep, and what kind of shepherd would he be if he lost one of his 99 and didn't leave the 99 and go seek after the lost one? The second story that was given is found in verses number 8 through 10, where a woman lost a silver coin. And she went to the house and and swept, and she was looking for her coin. And basically the story of the lost sheep and the lost coin were both summed up in verses number 7 and 10. Or excuse me, verses number 6 and 9. Notice at the end of verse number 6, the moral of the story of the lost sheep, Rejoice with me, For I have found my sheep which was lost. That was the moral of the the story of the lost sheep. When the lost sheep was found, we're going to rejoice at the finding of the lost sheep. Notice at the end of verse number 9. Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Now verses 7 and 10 talk to you about the interpretation of this. Verses 7 and 10 say this is what the moral of the story was. This was Jesus allowing the parable to shed light in the hearts of those who heard. Verse 7, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. In verse 10, again, likewise I say unto you there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. You see, there is the truth that the Lord is shedding light on. You know, when sinners get saved, there's joy in heaven. Years ago, I was under the conviction of the Holy Ghost, and I knew that I was lost. And I came down to an old-fashioned altar. I bowed the knee before the Lord. There I confessed myself to be a sinner and believed on Jesus Christ for salvation. At the moment when I believed, I felt a a lifting in my heart, a forgiveness that came from God Himself, a peace that passeth all understanding. And according to the Bible, there was joy in heaven the day that I got saved. There were some rumbling in the angelic host. They were happy, they were joyful because a sinner had come home. You know that God rejoices when sinners get saved? 
You know that angels rejoice when sinners get saved? Do you know that the true people of God rejoice when a sinner gets saved? You know, don't ever believe the lie of the devil if you're under conviction in a church service and you need to come forward and get saved. That people in the church would tease you or look down upon you or would somehow, you know, that, that they would be offended at you coming forward. Listen, here at the Metropolitan Baptist Church, even if we're not going to beat the other churches to the restaurants in the area, we got time for people to get saved. There's nothing more important than people getting saved. We're thankful for that. So this was the background of the story of the prodigal son. Then you have Jesus starting in verse number 11. He tells this common story about a family. A dad had two sons. And the younger, younger son comes to his dad and says, Hey, I want everything that's coming to me right now. As we know, young people in their youth, sometimes they think that they've got the world by the tail and they're going to go out and they're going to have themselves a wonderful, wonderful time and that the world's going to treat them well and that everything's going to work out hunky-dory. Such was the case with the prodigal son. He took his trip to the far country. His pocket was full of money when he left. But it wasn't too many days after that he spent everything he had. And he began to be in want. To the point where he had spent everything he had and he went to work for a pig farmer and found himself in a pig pen getting so hungry that he was willing to eat what the pigs were eating. The Bible talks about him coming to himself, which is a picture of a sinner coming to repentance. When he began to count the cost about coming home and looking at his dad and his father's house and saying, my dad has servants that are eating better than this. I can go back and be a hired servant for my dad and do better than sitting here in this pig pen. And he humbly came home. We found the father looking down the road for his son to come home. And when his son was coming home, his father met him on that roadway. And he confessed himself as being a sinner to his dad. And his dad said, kill the fatted calf and get him some shoes for his feet and put a robe on his back. And let's, let's make merry because my son was lost and he's found again. Notice the wording in verse number 24. For this my son was dead and is alive again. And he was lost and is found, and they began to be married. And so this scene produced a reaction in the elder brother. In the next slide on our sermon showing, there's a, there's a depiction of the prodigal son as painted by a man named Rembrandt in the 1600s. Perhaps you've heard of him. The, the, the painter was moved and you really can't see, it's not a really good, you can't see it very well, it's kind of dark on the screen, but the, the painter was moved at the writing in scripture about how the prodigal son had come home to his father and his father had received him. And he made that painting about that. But there was a reaction that this coming home produced and that this whole scene produced in the elder brother. And I've heard many spiritual applications about the elder brother over my years of being in church. And most of the time when you hear people preach on the prodigal son, they ignore the elder brother altogether. They don't even talk about it. Because not many people understand the moral of the story. You can't cover the story of the prodigal son without covering the elder brother. This was the punchline. This was how the Lord was trying to get through to those who were the scribes and the Pharisees. So this reaction that was produced in the elder brother reveal the true character of his heart. Reaction number one in the Bible, the Bible says basically he was out in the field in verse 25 
And he comes near to the house and he hears music and dancing. Now listen, folks, I'm not here to try to get controversial, but there's a way that families celebrated in the Bible time and they, they had music and dancing. Let's not try to eliminate that verse because you come from a particular line of orthodoxy. I mean, this was the celebration that was going on in heaven, the likening to the celebration that goes on in heaven. Now, perhaps you prefer to celebrate in other ways. But in Bible times, when you came near to a house and heard music and dancing, hey, somebody's celebrating. Somebody's happy. Something good has taken place. And when this kid came forward from the field, it's probably a young man, a grown man at the time, he came toward the house, he, he heard the noises of celebration, and he didn't understand what they were. He called in verse 26, he, he asked one of the servants, he said, hey, what's going on in there? And he told him that his brother had come home, in verse 27, and that his dad had killed the fatted calf. That means they were going to eat meat. I mean, some of us are going to eat meat after church today. How many of you like eating meat? Amen. I mean, that's good preaching. Thank the Lord for meat. You know, my, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs 31 about a virtuous woman. It says that a virtuous woman is like the, the merchant's ships. She bringeth her food from afar. And that is one of the main reasons I like it when my wife comes to be here with me. Because on Sunday afternoon, I get to eat from the merchant's ships who have brought her food from afar. I am thankful for the killing of the fatted calf. I am also thankful for a medium rare plus steak. Just a little bit before medium, a little bit over medium rare. That's just my preference. Now some of you like to burn your stuff and that's fine. So if you're a well done person, you're okay. You're okay with you're not as spiritual. It's almost like those who it's almost like those who don't drink coffee. If you don't drink coffee here today, it's okay. You may graduate to the realm of the spiritual soon. But for those who do drink coffee, we know what side of the fence you're on. All I could say to you today, friend, is the fatted calf was a great day when they killed the fatted calf. I mean, they were going to eat. They were going to celebrate because something good had happened. But the response, the reaction, number one, it says the first thing the Bible says in verse number 28, it says, And he was angry. The older brother was angry. Anger is not a fruit of the Spirit. That's true. Anger is a destroyer of relationships. Anger, if not controlled, is sinful. The Bible says, be ye angry and sin not. So I believe there's a certain type of anger that is not sinful. I don't believe all anger is sinful. For instance, if I see somebody do wrong to somebody else, I can be righteously upset or indignant at that. If I saw somebody come in here today and strike an elderly woman, I would be angry. And justly so. And we all ought to be angry when people are oppressed. And when widows are taken advantage of. And things that make the Lord angry. Hey, listen, even Jesus was angry. The Bible says Jesus was full of anger when he saw them turning the temple into a, a money change pit. Jesus came in there and trust me, he didn't have a smile on his face saying, Smile, God loves you, when he was flipping over the tables and driving them out of the temple. Now, I'm not trying to use my spiritual gift of sarcasm, but I suppose right there I did. You know, there are some things that should make us upset. But their anger, if not, if not controlled, can be sinful. 
He was angry in this case because he was angry, angry at his younger brother. We know that he was angry at him because of his lifestyle. Your son wasted your money. Your son lived that way. Your son wasted your money on harlots. You know, word had gotten back about his lifestyle from the far country. And the elder brother despised his younger brother for using his dad's money in such a fashion. He was also angry at his father. Very plain here that he was angry at the father for throwing this party. He was angry at him. You know, there's a lot of people who are angry with God over what they consider to be unfair treatment. There's a lot of things in your life that you might be able to complain about. Well, I don't look like my brother. I don't look like my sister. I, don't, I, I wasn't as blessed with certain abilities as they were. There's a lot of times where we feel like life can be unfair. And I just want to say this. There's nowhere in the Bible that says that life is fair. Life is not fair. Life isn't fair to a great many people. And many times children are born under circumstances. They didn't even choose the circumstances that they were born in. But life wasn't fair to them. And as you get throughout life, you're going to go through situations where sometimes you'll be treated unfairly. But what I can tell you is this. If you stick with God, God can still help you through unfair treatment. There's a story in the Bible in the Old Testament about a man who was sold as a slave named Joseph. You know what? Joseph was treated unfairly. And for 13 years... He saw absolutely, he saw very few blessings of God come on his life for his obedient behavior before God. But God turned things around for him when he turned 30 years old. God can even use situations where someone's taken advantage of you. Where you respond in the appropriate fashion the way that Joseph did. And God can turn that around and bless you. But we serve in a day today when very many people are just like the older brother. They're angry. They disagree with God their father. They disagree with how someone else was blessed. Or this situation was unfair. And they get very angry at the Lord. I hope that you are not angry today. He was angry over the belief that his, his brother got fair treatment and he was unfairly treated. Reaction number two, he refused to celebrate. Notice in verse number 28, he was angry and would not go in. This is, this is what we would call as a childish behavior. Oh, you're having a party in there? You ever met a child who was playing baseball with his friends and he kept striking out? He kept, you know, it was his baseball glove and his baseball and he kept on swinging and missing. And then somebody else comes up and they get a hit. He gets jealous at him and he says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take my baseball bat. I'm going to take my glove and I'm going to go to my own place. I ain't going to play with you anymore. Well, this was what the older brother was all about. He wasn't about to celebrate when his younger brother came home. You know why? Because it was a revelation of some of his character. He refused to celebrate. This reaction exposed that he was a selfish person. He didn't care that his younger brother had come home. According to the scripture, when, his, when, when they said what had taken place, look, notice the last, the last three words, words of uh, verse number 27. He came home safe and sound. Who would be upset that a family member is now safe and sound? You know, you've got to have a pretty ugly soul. You've got to be pretty inwardly ugly to be upset that someone's now safe and sound. That someone has repented. That someone got their life right with their family. That brings such joy to a family when somebody gets... You know, sometimes our young people make mistakes, don't they? How many of you were once a young person and you made some big mistakes? We always bought, ought to be those kind of people that are be forgiving and kind. You know, if you're like the elder brother, if you're like this religious Pharisee, 
You can't celebrate when a sinner comes home because you spent all your time hating on them, judging them. There's a few things we'd like to say about the elder brother. He didn't care that his younger brother had come home safe and sound. He didn't care that his family had been reunited. He didn't care that his mom and dad had been comforted in their grief. And he didn't care that their younger brother would be rejoining the family. Now, considering the character of the elder brother, no doubt this young man had a problem with being hateful in his heart. You know, when somebody else fails, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be something that you look at them and hate them over. You shouldn't hate somebody for failing. You know when people fail, when people make big mistakes, when people fall into sin, you know what that makes them? Human. Say, what do you mean? Well, the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You know, I'm amazed at many churches, how that people who were involved in a particular kind of behavior when they were young, now have grown with the Lord some 10, 15, 20, 30 years after, and they see a young person now committing the exact same sins as what they committed 30 years ago. And instead of being compassionate and merciful, they'll pick up stones and throw stones at them. And I almost think, what, did you forget who you were? Did you forget that used to be who you were? Aren't you glad the Lord didn't throw your clay away? We still believe in a merciful God. We believe in a God who shows mercy. You know, the attributes, if you look at the elder brother... Just ask yourself this question. Does he have any of the attributes of God the Father? Or of the Father in this story, in the parable? Are there any attributes of the elder brother that remind you of the Father? When the Father saw the Son coming back, he ran to meet him. When the elder brother saw the younger son coming, he wouldn't even go in and celebrate. When the father saw the younger son coming back, they killed the fatted calf and had a party. When the elder brother heard about it, he comes back and he's angry. You know who the elder brother is a picture of? Verse number two. It's the murmuring Pharisees and scribes. And I got news for you. When the Bible says in verse number seven that there's 99 just persons that need no repentance, there are no just people that need no repentance. The Bible says God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God wants everyone to be saved. The problems with the scribes and the Pharisees were this. They didn't think they needed to be saved. They thought they were good, good with the Lord. But look at how inwardly ugly the picture of these scribes and Pharisees were. They, or, or, they saw Jesus eating with sinners and they murmured against the Lord of glory. They murmured against the God who created everything. They didn't understand what Jesus was doing, so they chose to murmur against him. Here's a piece of advice. Never murmur against Jesus. It will get you nowhere. As a matter of fact, you shouldn't murmur against Jesus. You should receive Jesus. The Bible says, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe upon his name. What kind of person doesn't get happy when a sinner repents? What kind of person can't celebrate when a repentant sinner comes home? I'll tell you what kind of a person. A person who is so blind to the ugliness of their heart. You know, the elder brother, he had a problem his problem was, he thought that he didn't need to get saved. He despised his brother. He was unhappy at his repentance. He refused to take part of this celebration. And as we've already mentioned before, he had none of the attributes of his father. You know, when you are hateful to others, 
when you don't care about others, when you are filled with selfishness, when you can't rejoice when someone else makes a proper spiritual decision because you are jealous and inwardly hateful, many people in this life believe they are saved when they have never been to Calvary. And that's the real crux of the story is this. If you find yourself identifying yourself with the elder brother, which some people are raised in such a religious fashion, they want to hide all the inward dirtiness of their soul. That's kind of like the older brother. I've never done nothing wrong. I've never, you never killed the fatted calf for me. You know, here's the moral of the story. Even if you never go to the far country, you still need to get saved. You say, Pastor, I've never taken a drink of alcohol. You think never taking a drink of alcohol is going to get you to heaven? That's your righteousness. What about all those dirty thoughts you had in your heart? What about the times that you had lustful thoughts? You say, oh, no, 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 not, not me. I want to let you know something. You die lost. You go to the judgment. The Bible talks about the judgment being a day when the secrets of your heart are going to be made manifest in front of other people. You, you need to get your sins under the blood and get forgiven of that. Otherwise, at the judgment, all that stuff's going to come out. Everything you would never admit to. Every dark place that you've ever been to, that you hid from mom and dad or hid for your spouse or wherever, God knows it's worth it for you to come to Christ. You say, but I'm not that bad. I want to tell you something. Every person in this room needs to go to Calvary. You know, I'll tell you where the the elder brother never went to. He was never humbled. There's no picture of him coming to the Lord humbly, celebrating, having the attributes of his father. I want to encourage you today. Maybe it is today that you have never believed on the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. I want to encourage you. Before it's eternally too late, you need to get saved. You need to make this issue clear. You need to settle that. You say, how do I know if I need to get saved? Well, I want to tell you this. When the preaching of the Word of God is going out, and somebody in their heart is willing to be honest with God, and you can ask God a question like this, Lord, show me if I'm lost. You can honestly say, Lord, am I lost? And you say, why would you need to think that you're lost? Well, here's one reason. If you can't remember a time and place when you repented of your sins and trusted in Jesus Christ then you don't have that experience where you have believed on Christ, you've never crossed over from being lost to being saved. We're all born lost. You know that. Every one of us are born lost and in sin. The Bible says this, there's none righteous, no, not one. There's only one way to get our sins forgiven. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. To many, they don't know about the story of Christ, and when hearing about it, they contemplate it. Listen, the act of salvation, the, the transaction of salvation takes place when you believe what the Bible says about Christ, that He is my only salvation, that through His shed blood is the only way that I can get forgiveness. Have you ever come to the Lord in, in faith and believed on Jesus Christ through what He did on Calvary to save you? If you haven't, you need to be saved. And here's the good news of the gospel. The Bible says, whosoever will may come. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you're lost today, I've got good news for you. You can be saved, and you can be saved today. You say, how do I be saved? Hey, come to Christ. Confess yourself a sinner, and put your faith and trust in Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, as the Philippian jailer was told. 
The, the Ethiopian eunuch was riding in his chariot and he said, see, here's water. What hinders me to be baptized? He said, if you believe with all your heart, you can get baptized. And he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Salvation is about believing. Salvation is about trusting in the finished work of Calvary. And I hope and pray today that when you hear the story of the elder brother, you can't say, well, I find myself in the elder brother. At least not today. You know, I still believe that God saves the elder brother if he comes in humility towards Christ. God still saves the prodigal son. Those who visit the pig pen, God's got enough forgiveness for them. You may be in a world of mess today. Your life may be a big mess. I want to hear, I'm here to tell you, if you come to the Lord, you take step toward the Lord. He says, if you seek me, you'll find me. Nobody who seeks after the Lord, he's going to turn away. The Bible talks about repentant sinners. Don't get turned away from the Lord. Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Jesus doesn't cast you away when you come to him for salvation. Jesus will receive you. And today, if you're lost, he says, come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden. He'll give you rest. He'll offer that forgiveness. And you may find yourself in some other area of life. You're going through issues or troubles today. Maybe you find yourself in a family relationship just like this one. A broken family. A situation that produces difficult times. Maybe you need to come forward today to the altar and let God have His way in your life. Whatever God's told you to do. Won't you respond to Him during this invitation? Let's stand together with our heads bowed and our eyes closed as we prepare for this invitation. We're going to have our musicians come. Maybe you need to come and use the altar for what it's there for. This place up front with these stairs is a place where people come. Many times they pray for their, their loved ones. They pray for their church, their family. You say, I'm just visiting here. If you're visiting here, you're welcome to come to the altar. There's a lot of hurting people out there today. You may need help. If you need help and you're in the altar, you want somebody to pray with you, you just lift up your hand. We'll send somebody to come pray with you. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, is there somebody here today, Pastor? I'm not saved. I won't ask you to raise your hand, but if you're not saved, won't you just step out and come forward? We'll help you. We'll help you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll show you what the Bible says. Somebody be here to help. Maybe somebody else here today say, Pastor, I'm going through problems. I need, I need prayer. I want somebody to come up and pray with me. Just step out of your seat. Come on forward. As Brother John sings, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Won't you let God have his way in your heart?
you be seated at this time. We're going to prepare for a baptism. We have a young person who's come forward for baptism, and we're going to baptize just the way they did in Bible times, deep water baptism, if you will, Uh, baptism by immersion. And Brother John's going to come and lead us in a song. We'll sing a verse or two of one day, and then if you'll have a request ready, that would be wonderful. One day when heaven was filled with his praises. One day when
20 in your hymn book. Somebody check me on that. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There is something about that name. That is not that page number. Let's just do it a cappella. Sing with me. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus.